Welcome to Canva Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, why everyone should take a commercial acting class. I encourage all of my clients and students all the time to study commercial acting along with comedy improv. And here to discuss our legendary commercial casting directors and teachers, Brooke and Mary, who are guests are collectively known as Brooke and Mary. Brooke Thomas was originally drawn into the world of casting at Liz Lewis Casting Partners and then house casting before recognizing a need for more personalized casting services that leveraged her experience and vast network of actor connections and formed Brooke Thomas Casting in 2012. Mary Egan Callahan, a co-owner of House Casting New York, also began her career at Liz Lewis Casting Partners before joining House in 2004 and taking over ownership with partner Neil Meyer in 2019. Collectively and individually, reading their list of casting credits would take up the entire episode. <laughs> so I'm going to focus instead on the word of mouth, always sold out, award-winning commercial class Brooke and Mary have been teaching for years. Again, their full list of alumni could take hours, but some familiar names include Ed Helms, Rob Pubell, Jessica St. Clair, Jason Mantzoukas, Nick Kroll, Aubrey Plaza, and Ben Schwartz. Two name, but a few. So I want to say welcome to the podcast, Brooke and Mary. Thanks. Thank you. So, happy to be here. Oh, well, thank you. Cause I'm thrilled that you guys are here and that you said <laughs> yes. So I, I really, I can't wait to get into this conversation of why everyone should take a commercial acting class. Cause I really, really believe in it. And I think it's even more relevant now that everyone has to be good on camera and to be able to communicate. Um, I've always felt this, but since the pandemic, everyone understands it, whether you're uh, a performer or not, but in any kind of job whether that's your job interview process or you're communicating with your staff globally and the skills and insights that you two teach are invaluable. But I also wanna acknowledge first that you're both successful business owners, which I think is hugely relevant. And you have a successful, impactful collaboration going back years, which is really special. So I wanted to start there with when did you guys, did you meet at Liz Lewis and when did you guys click and say, we're super simpatico and we should be teaching people? Go ahead, Mary. We met actually in college. Brooke is a little bit older than me. And <laughs> people had told me several times when I was in college that I reminded them of Brooke, um, someone named Brooke um, Thomas, who had, you know, we were the same, you know, we were both girls who were in the theater department, but we were also in a sorority and no one, no one did that there. And we were also, you know, we were definitely did the plays but we had lives outside of the theater and I would pick and choose what I wanted to audition for they would be like why aren't you auditioning for Romeo and Juliet and I would be like I don't want to be in Romeo and Juliet I don't I don't like Shakespeare and I don't want to play the nurse and they would be like you are so much like Brooke Thomas I mean it's crazy you can't tell us what you <laughs> and then I was in a show and Brooke choreographed it and I met her and I think we got along really well then and then when I was moving into New York City, I was looking for an internship and it so happened that Brooke worked at Liz Lewis Casting and got me the internship. And Brooke, you want to go on from here? And then uh, Mary interned at Liz Lewis Casting and she was assigned to another woman, uh, Robin Todd and myself to be our assistant. And I just never, I don't know, I, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of person. I just didn't need an assistant. So Robin Todd just scooped Mary right up and you sure did. <laughs> used her as an assistant like nobody else. And Mary and I became 
fast friends and peers. And, you know, in no time, Mary was like a, a full on casting director. And we just had the same sense of humor. We saw the same funny in everything. And it seemed like we had our own language, so to speak. Yeah. So it was only, it only made sense that she and I would branch out and do something on our own. We also had this love of actors, both of us. And, um, and so many casting directors have that. There are so many that do, but there are so many that don't. And uh, we just really wanted to be the cheerleaders in the room for the actor. And we both mm. had that. So, uh, so we started our own uh, commercial uh, acting class. We had both been teaching at different places and I'm not gonna name them, but we had both been doing different seminars for different people. And it was just hordes of people in these classes. And we were like, this is just not the way that people are gonna get this. So we decided to just start our own. Yeah. And we didn't um, think it was fair. You know, you'd be sitting there and there'd be 30 people in your class and everyone couldn't get up. And coming from an acting background for both of us, it wasn't it wasn't fair that these people were paying this money and they're not getting the opportunity to get up or you're rushed. And, you know, when you would have the conversation with the people from the studios, they they kind of just didn't care, you know, or we would say, hey, can we get an agent to this last class? Some of these people are really great and they didn't want to pay the hundred dollars for the agent to get there. But these students were paying all this money to take our classes. So we had this conversation and we were thought the exact same thing like this isn't fair and Brooke probably was the one who said well let's just do it ourselves and I just kind of said okay Brooke you know but I had the exact <laughs> so we, same thing happen to me when I was teaching hosting classes outside and it, and it was just it struck me as like uh, butts and chairs and there mm -hmm. were and there were just too many people in the class but to your point I didn't feel it was fair to the students who were really talented and came to work hard and and some of the my students have gone on to be enormously successful Sarah Haynes was one of my earliest students there and I was like Great. same thing so that's when I decided you know what I'm going to do my own I'm going to figure yeah. out a way to do my own so I want to yeah. start with actually getting uh for cuz for people listening who won't may not know this what is the essence of commercial acting versus any other type of acting or what somebody might teach um, I'm going to jump in on this and say that um, so much of commercial acting is bringing yourself uh, in front of the camera, being being uh, you. It sounds so strange, but so the you know acting acting classes and actor training is all about you know studying the characters, studying the script, taking on these um, imaginary circumstances as the character. But commercial acting is is really not about that. It's about you being able to honestly speak about a product uh, or something else, uh, but it's being you. And it's, it's so hard and difficult for people to do that and to tap into that. Once you tap into it though, I, you know, there's like people who are just like phenomenal commercial actors mm -hmm. and they're so, they so easily tap into that part of themselves. And I think it's just a matter of, of exercising that muscle as an actor, because they you've exercised the character muscle for so long, but exercising this, oh, I can just be me talking in front of the camera. Honestly. Why do you think it's hard for people to tap into that? Because you're, they're usually, they've been taught to play a character or acting, acting, acting. So, you know, the people that have the, have, have the hardest time doing commercial acting are usually the uh, not Tony award-winning actors um, because they're, they're so, they're so well-trained and then they want to, they don't know how to get out of their head and, and be perfect, play the perfect and, them. And not to get too psychological about it, but maybe actors 
um, are drawn to acting. I mean, I study acting, so I can, I feel like I can say this. Maybe actors are drawn to taking on somebody else and not really revealing themselves. Maybe they're mm -hmm. private about themselves. I don't know. Just no, but we, we talk about that a lot in my space because there is this whole other vulnerability that when it doesn't go well or you so you hear no or you feel rejected, you were never hiding behind a character. It was they didn't like you mm -hmm. talking about this product. And so that, that it, there's a huge vulnerability there. But something you said, by the way, years ago in an interview, I read them all, um, watched interviews that I love is about honesty. And it's a going back to exactly what you're saying that um, honesty is the most attractive thing that anybody wants to see on camera. And I just stopped me in my tracks. I love it. I want to put it on a tote bag and a, you know, coffee mug. So, um, and then you went on to say, so if you say the line's a little bit off, but what you're talking about comes through and you're being honest, you're going to get a callback. It's not about getting the words perfect at the initial audition. It's about honesty. That is the essence of my, you know, my methodology because nobody shows up for your perfect. You show up for your mm -hmm. value. And that, um, and if I can just sidebar again a second, is a misnomer that many people I work with who don't come from performing backgrounds don't understand that the heart of acting is honesty. Like when you really do it well, it's about emotional honesty. And that's why we're really moved by a performance. It's actually about speaking the truth. It's not about you're performing, but it's not about being fake or dishonest. So I just want to know if we could talk about that because this is really the heart of why it is so powerful and to take a commercial acting class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and when, when you see that honesty and the, the times that we see it the most when people first start taking a commercial acting class with us is when people mess up on the copy. They mess up on the copy and they sometimes try and get themselves out of it, which is always the best because you see them trying to wiggle themselves out of, out of the mistake that they've made. But that is the best part. And, and that's when we realize like, no, 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 that's what we want. We, we want to we see those flubs. We want to see you be human. We want to see you be you. And so bringing improv into our, our commercial classes too, we did very early on. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was another thing that people really were drawn to because they might not say it the way that the copywriter wrote it, and if they added a little bit of their own to it, um, it, they could make it their own and make it more comfortable to say as themselves. And then, you know, of course, that got them the callback. And then when they booked the job, they actually, you know, got the copy and memorized it and worked on it and got it that way. But, you know, commercials are so fast and furious. It's just you just got to get in there and show the director that you can be honest. If you can be honest, I don't, I, I don't know what director doesn't want to work with you. I love that. Is there, are there techniques that you teach to help people, you know, get there faster or to unlock that? Well, we always, one of our biggest things and anybody who's ever taken our class will know it, um, is who are you talking to? Um, and we like, like you to talk to when you're doing a commercial copy or you're talking about Advil, it's just, you pick one person and you just tell them, you know, take Advil, you know, it, it, for your sinuses, cause it works. That's basically what you're saying. And it's, if you choose one person that you really know, and we always say it shouldn't be another actor or a clown or a musician, because when we're around those people who are, you know, we, we act with them, we, were, we have fun, we goof around. But when we are with just normal people, the, you know, the just simple people, that's when we are our most honest people and, and a person. And um, so if you just pick one person and you do your best to really talk to them, um, 
it usually works. And it's really hard for people to do that. Or they'll say, well, I think I was talking to my mom. No, you weren't you weren't think you don't think it you were talking to your mom your mom is right there in camera and your mom is where what is she wearing and where maybe you can even get backstory she's in the kitchen you just have to be able to see it that's where you can use the acting thing envisioning where she is in her kitchen and now where she's wearing and now you just have to talk to her um and that's our that's our biggest philosophy and it, it gets you out of your head um we always say don't do the commercial for your mom talk to your mom um and actually, and you know, we tell them not to talk to their moms a lot of the time, because when you talk to your moms, <laughs> you get really angry and defensive. Everyone always gets angry and defensive when they're talking to their moms. <laughs> Another technique that we use, too, for, to help people really talk to that person is we tell them to say their name. Yeah. Like if you're doing the commercial copy and you just feel, you know, you, you can feel when you're just talking to a camera and you're yeah. not connecting with that person. And so we tell them, you know, say the person's name and, and you know, actors are like, what do you mean? Can I do that in the audition? Yeah, you can do anything you want in the audition until somebody says, please don't do that. Yep. You know, it, it's your audition, um, you know, and you're not doing anything egregious. You're just saying the person's name that you're talking to. What's wrong with that? No one can, you know, fault you for trying to connect with the copy. So we'll, we'll tell people, throw the person's name in there, throw it in again. If you feel like you're starting to do a commercial, say the person's name that you're talking to, it will immediately bring you to them. And it works. Okay, not only were those great tips, but that was an enormous permission slip for people. Cause that comes up all the time. Am I allowed to say that? So that was hugely generous, which circles back to something we were talking about before we hit record was you two both saying to me that confidence is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does it, so obviously having the confidence to, you know, show up and um, do your best or take a risk or, you know, be present and, and work through your fear. That's huge. But let's talk about confidence. How does that show up for you? How do you help people tap into that or develop that? It, we were talking about this before confidence. There's confident, you know, everyone's always confidence as a big word, right? But con real confident people are likable people. They are people that you you want to be around. You they make you, you they make you better. You want to be in the room with them. And so, a confident actor or person, right, coming into the room, you want to surround yourself with that. That they are and and confidence doesn't just have to do with you know I'm confident I can you know memorize this copy and say it. It's it's I'm confident that I'm here. I'm going to show up. I'm confident that I'm going to show up. You know, showing up. The idea of being confident in yourself and your yeah. your worth and and um, your right to be there mm -hmm. and etc. So yeah, I always talk about that because confidence is an inside job. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, within. Yeah, yeah and confident and confident to know that if you screw up this audition, audition, you can work on it. You can take a class. You can get right back on the horse and do it again. And confidence in knowing that people make mistakes confidence in knowing that people fail sometimes everything is not always perfect it's just you know it's that it's that kind of and it's not cocky either confidence is not cocky mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's cocky. so many cocky yeah. is cocky cocky is yeah. cocky you know confidence confidence is is not cocky and so many people will say i don't want to appear to be too confident because i don't want to come off cocky no it's a different thing yeah we see cocky very different thing yeah, I, I presume like to me, that's a defense mechanism. That's yeah. Pretty, yeah, that's fear-based. Wait, so now I want to pause one sec because, um, you know, fun sort of casting questions that come up for me is I love what you just said about, you know, if you screw up, like go take a class, work on it, you, you know, keep keep moving forward. 
Um, it's not the end of the world. But so how many times may it take, not on a specific project, but when you're seeing someone who's new, how long may it take, you know, before you may actually book someone? I hope this is making sense. Cause I know people from like, you know, looking at U fives and doing um, episodic will say they may see people dozens of times before they feel confident in the consistency of somebody's um, skill and talent in order to, you know, put them forward because of the demands of being on a set and to know that somebody's, you know, going to actually be able to deliver. Is that something that's relevant in the commercial side? Or do you guys, you know, somebody could come in, we saw them in Union Square Park and we said, hey, I like the way you look and you book them. Mm -hmm. Well, we we don't make the final decision on who books the job. We just decide who gets the audition. Great point. And I would say that um, if you are constantly going in the room or getting the audition from a commercial casting um, director, especially for me, Brooke, and you're you're constantly, even if you're not getting the callback, but we're still getting the request, the requests for auditions, then we like what you're doing. That's that's pretty much it. Then that we like what you because we don't know why half the time people get callbacks or not. Sometimes you could look at you know you you're viewing and it's been mostly self tapes. Um, you know we watch them all and we're like this person nailed it. Oh my god, so great. They're gonna love. And then that person doesn't get the callback and you have no idea why. And it's you know someone on the other end didn't think they nailed it. But what happened there for us is you we think you nailed it, so you're gonna get another audition for another project. And okay. that's probably what happens in episodics as well and everything. Doesn't just because they didn't pick you for the under five doesn't mean if you're getting the auditions, then they they like you. Okay, that's a really wonderful message to put out to people because obviously it's so easy to get discouraged. Mm -hmm. But also an important note for people because the same thing happens, you know, on the unscripted side is, you know, time is money. People are really, really busy. It's an enormous volume. So nobody's stopping to go, hey, Barbara, let's walk you through why we made the choices that we made. And I think that that is sometimes lost on, on, you know, both the talent, even their agents, surprisingly enough, but just the sort of, um, or civilians, if you will, that don't get what it's like, nobody's telling me, I'm just a part of the process. And I think that that's an important note to remember. Mm -hmm. See the yes, I guess, is another way to look at it. It's like, if we're bringing you in, that's the yes, hold on to that. Um, can we talk about self-tapes for a sec? Because yeah, the business has changed so much since we all yeah. got into it years ago. So um I know the answer because we talked about it before, but it's like, you know, yes, no, self-taping is good, bad. Any tips about that? Look, it, we know that's the elephant in the room and the self-tape thing. So many people are upset about it, but then some people are, are love it. I mean, I personally, I love it. I feel like I can see more people. I watch every single person's audition. I feel like a lot of their auditions are freer. You know, people are, I think they're doing better things than they would do in the room. Um, they're giving them, and you know, when I give out directions, I I definitely tell people, you know, to make it their own and and to, you know, th this is their time. And and I feel like people, I've been very, very impressed with how people have been really kind of, kind of taking my direction on paper. Um, and then if, and then we'll give a note if we need to give a note. Um, back after however i i like we've been doing some callbacks back in in the studio and that's lovely as well but i think the biggest thing for self-tapes self is you get i feel like you get more opportunity mm -hmm. um and you know before as when even if you booked another job um and you get a callback for let's say you're in a coke commercial and you get a callback for a, a pantene we've done it where you're on set and during your lunch break, we bring you right into that Zoom callback and I, people have booked the jobs. So it's more opportunity or maybe you're at your bank job or maybe you had to go home to a funeral and you're at home and you know 
all that kind of stuff. It's it, people are, we have more people making the callbacks now than, than before. Um, and I think that's, I think that's important. Yeah. It's also, it's also opened up the doors in terms of seeing new people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see so many new people that I never would have been able to get all of these people into the studio. I, mm -hmm. I, I just wouldn't do it. I would, they don't, they won't pay me enough days for a job to see that many people in a day. So I've been able to see so, so much new talent and it's, I think it's refreshing. I think producers and directors and agencies are loving it, all the options they're getting. Um, yeah. I just think it's, I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, the only, the only, the only downside I think for actors is that they're not getting redirection right in the studio. Mm -hmm. I understand that that can be probably frustrating for actors to not have that back and forth. And I miss that too. I really loved that. I love mm -hmm. actors. Um, I love being in the studio with them. I felt like they were my friends coming in and we were mm -hmm. having fun in the studio. So I miss that. But I think that's the only con that I can see. Mm -hmm. I think everything else are pros, but maybe mm -hmm. I'm missing something, but that's what I think. Is there something that everyone should master in that, you know, that's consistent for a good self-tape? Because it's, I think there's a lot more, um, there are more protocols in acting than in um, lifestyle programming. As an example, it's like in lifestyle, it's like, you know, if you're doing makeup, go, it's okay, do the makeup in your, you know, bathroom or if you're cooking, go shoot it in your kitchen and it doesn't have to look one specific way. But I was just curious, are there things that, you know, consistently like that is what makes for a good self-tape? I mean, it's just the standard things, lighting, lighting, background, sound. I think those are really important, you know, if we can't see you or hear you. Um, and it also looks really professional when someone shows up and they have a nice lighting and a good background and they, they look great. It's, it looks professional when they're, you know, in a dark room with like noise and you can't barely hear them. It's just not, it's not as fun to watch. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And by the way, just like anybody else, cause I do zoom interviews myself and I go on podcasts. It's like, I just travel with lights now. Mm -hmm. And it's gotten easier and easier. So I can put links in the, um, I don't know if you have any recommendations, but like, I love my Lumi cubes and my mm -hmm. teeny tiny ring lights to go. So I can put suggestions in the, the show notes. I didn't know if you had any you know, products or like, oh, those are the best. Um, now going just back to commercial acting in general, and it relates to also what you're teaching. What are the opportunities now? I mean, are there trends or you're seeing like, this is, it's a great time for this, whatever that is. The Super Bowl still still pops yeah, up. It though. is the Bowl Super is Bowl still. still a big thing. Yeah, um, I would say that uh, the only other trend, like not necessarily in, well, I guess it's not like in what is being produced, but it's there's an even amount of non-union and union work. Mm, um, okay, I think that I, I think that actually there might be even more non-union work than there is union work, um, and. And, you know, that's that, that's definitely something that has the pendulum has swung since I started casting. When I was started casting, everything was SAG and it would be like once in a blue moon, you'd get a non-union job. And, you know, when when we were doing that, it was like, OK, my gosh, who's going to work on the non-union job? Because we just didn't know how to do that. And now I feel like the pendulum has swung the other way. And there's in my opinion, there's more non-union work than there is union work. Of course, everybody wants the SAG job. It's just, it pays well. It's the union. It's, you know, you've got all that, those benefits. But I will say the non-union world has stepped up their game in terms of what they're paying talent and the contracts that they have. And there's none of, 
in my experience, I won't work with, you know, anybody that I just off the street who's a non-union has, you know, job. It has to be vetted. And, you know, so there's no issues with people getting paid anymore. People are getting paid, you know, things are following through. So a lot of non-union jobs are on the up and up. And so that's probably a trend that I see that has occurred over the past, I don't know what, five, seven years. How does somebody break in mm. besides taking your class? Hmm. Um, it's definitely usually by, you know, going on, you know, taking classes, you know, getting an education, you know, knowledge is power, obviously. And then, and then learning from those classes, you know, like, um, they'll tell you, I know Brooke in our class, we tell you where to go next. Um, what, what, Go to casting networks, go to breakdown services, get your resume out there. Here are some agents you should be targeting, but also do your research on other ones. There are great schools out there that you can meet people. I think you have to pay money to meet you know, an agent or whatever, but do your research. Some of them are very legit and some of them aren't. So you can Google anything and find out reviews on things and, and figure it out. Um, and because there are a lot of classes out there that, uh, as you know, um, just are you know, Joe Schmo is, is running it. And he says he, you know, was on law and order this, you know, but he never really was, or, you know, it's, there's so much out there that people are just taking their money. Um, so just, you know, research basically. We always say like, ask your friends for referrals too. If your active friends have representation, ask them if they, if, if they make an introduction, mm -hmm. to their agent for you. I mean, you got to ask what's the worst that's going to happen again. You're going to hear no big deal. You know, if you don't ask, you're never going to know. Finally, I actually want to spend a second talking about branded content so we can explain what that is. But that's another area that really dovetails with my universe because you'll find subject experts getting cast for branded content and campaigns, whether they're consumer facing or, you know, industrial. Um, and then this whole burgeoning and, and Brooke, you mentioned you've done some of these, you know, internal for huge companies that you know have their own podcasts and have their own amazing networks and speaking programs and all sorts of things for their tens of thousands of global employees. And it's staggering and it pays well. And I just want to talk about that for a second. Like, you know, because that to me would be an area that didn't exist before that came around, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. But how does it impact your business? Any tips for people who were like who have no idea that it exists and might find um opportunity there? Um, in, in terms of the way that I look at it, um, to me, it's just another kind of commercial job. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't really differentiate differentiate between a commercial or something like that. It's I'm bringing in the same people, the same people are interested in doing the job. It's a day's work, whether it's going to just, you know, uh, air internally in one of these branded places, or it's going to air broadcast. Uh, it doesn't matter. And it, I mean, payment obviously is different, but um, it doesn't matter to the talent right now. They're, they're looking to work. Actors are looking mm -hmm. to work. So I don't see a, a big difference. Uh, I guess on my side, I ask because on the host and expert side, a lot of people don't realize these things come through the commercial side as opposed yeah. to the host or broadcast side. So it's significant. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode with you to understand it's like, you know, to create more opportunity, let um, commercial casting directors know that you exist, get to know people at advertising agencies, because if I'm a big brand and some of these brands pay for television shows, 
And, yes. and the audience doesn't understand that that's actually a branded show. I remember, you know, um, and things around innovation. So there's external and there's internal, and then they do campaigns. And I talk like, you know, and my eyes were really opened years ago when a couple of people that I spring in all the time for, you know, discovery and history channel projects and those kind of, you know, fabulous dudes suddenly got hired to ride John Deere tractor lawnmowers across the country. It was a really funny, to me, that's a reality show. It was mm -hmm. right. But it was a branded campaign for John Deere and it came through a commercial casting director. And I was like, why didn't I get to cast that? Oh my gosh, this is because this is brands deal with who they know. And who do they know? The advertising agents and the commercial casting directors. Mm -hmm. Did right. I cast that? Did you? I'm I jealous. think I might have. See? Yeah. And that's another thing. <laughs> directors, the director we've worked with, that's the best sometimes when, um, especially on a Zoom, when, you know, you're at the callback and, you know, the kid, you know, the director starts, they see his name and they're like, uh, you know, who do we just, you know, they're, and they're like, it's a famous, you know, comedy director. And they're like, they don't know because they don't know who's directing until they show up and they're like, oh, well, well, hi there, you know, Wes Anderson or hi there, you know, um, Peter Farrelly or, you know, and then they're like. You see them kind of like, okay, thanks, Peter. <laughs> They're like leaving. And that's fun. Cause we do, we work with a lot of, a lot of directors who direct, you know, especially the comedy stuff. They, they want, they, you know, commercials, they do commercials. Spike Lee has done tons. Yes, tons. <laughs> tons. It's lucrative. It's also amazingly creative and also innovative. Like I've really come to learn how much in terms of camera work, sound, um, trends by how we do storytelling emerge out of producing commercials because, and I don't know exactly why, but somewhere in there, there's a lot more room for experimentation. Commercials always got a bad rap when I was a kid. I'm like, commercials are fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're fun. Do you have any all-time favorites that you've worked on or wish you'd worked on? I really love the, the insurance commercials right now where the kids are, you know, don't want to be their parents. I just, yeah, I roar great. with laughter. I just can't get enough of those commercials. And I think they're cast by Arnold uh, out of Boston. And they're just amazing. They're, they're so just funny. They're, they're my humor. They're just my humor. So yeah. I always go for the funny. I love the funny commercials. And we cast, well, you were the head casting director on the Can You Hear Me Now campaign. That's right. I did, I did work ago. on that. Yep. Yep. So we were, we were at Liz Lewis when that was happening. Yep. That was kind of big. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but that's I that's mean, a just... cultural touchstone because we still all say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are fantastic. And I know you both have to go, you know, busy. Uh, I interrupted casting sessions for this. So thank you. <laughs> Any parting thoughts? Um, no, I just feel like... Um, know that most most the majority of casting directors out there commercial love actors and we just want to see you succeed like there's nothing better than watching auditions and and seeing people's talent i you know you know um coming brooke and i both coming from acting backgrounds and kind of getting out of it i mean i got out of it because i just wanted stability so i'm always in awe of actors who stayed with it and and stick with it and um we love to see we love to see them succeed. Like I love when someone books a job and telling the agent, I wish more times we could tell them that they booked it because, you know, you know, you've kind of changed somebody's, you know, life a little bit 
They're going to make some money. They're going to be on TV. The people in their hometowns are going to say, I saw you in that Verizon commercial. These are fun, fun things for people. Um, so I guess just stick with it. And uh, I don't think people poo-poo commercials as much as they used to anymore. No, I think they're no way. They're very lucrative. I was going to say, I wish I had anything that recommended me to be in commercials because I'd be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would just say that um, I, I, I think everybody should just strive to have fun. If it's mm -hmm. not fun, you shouldn't be doing it. My job is fun. I love doing my job. And so I do a good job. If you're having fun doing commercials and you're, and you're enjoying it, it it's, it's only going to be good. So if you're not having fun, find the fun or find something else because if it becomes grueling, you should not be doing it. Oh, amen to that. Thank you two so much. And I, I know you both have to get back to work, but so thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review because it's much appreciated and it helps a lot. And if you're interested in media training or help with career strategies, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. Thank you.